Are you ready to start living richer? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Live Richer podcast, hosted by Jamie Catmull, a podcast created for people to challenge and manage their ideas of wealth, culture, and money across the world, bringing you the best personal finance advice to make more, save more, and live richer. Now, here's your host, Jamie Catmull. So do you think you know how Social Security benefits work? Well, if you're anything like me, get ready for a huge eye-opener. Barbara Genty, a certified financial planner with special expertise in Social Security, estate planning, and the owner of a wealth management firm and host of the Future Rich podcast, is going to join me on the show today with the most illuminating look at how Social Security income benefits work. It's a true masterclass. The number of opportunities and considerations possible with Social Security that Barbara brings to this discussion are simply jaw-dropping. If you ever plan to retire or use Social Security benefits, this is 100% a must-listen episode. With tips to incorporate into your strategic retirement planning and to make sure you aren't missing out on everything to which you're entitled, and so you don't count on something that won't ever come. I'm so appreciative and delighted to welcome Barbara Ginty to the podcast. Barbara, I'm so excited to have you here today. Uh, I'm super happy to join you today and excited to be on your podcast. What are like your three best tips to get started when it comes to your finances and getting them in order? The first thing is get educated, right? Because I think one of the obstacles to figuring out your personal finances is the fact that we're never taught personal finance. So a lot of it is just a knowledge gap, right? It's the the first time you're learning it, it's going to be a little bit more overwhelming than if this is something that you've learned about before or even exposed to it before. Some people are exposed to it in their household growing up, but a lot of people aren't. So the first thing is get educated. And the amazing thing with all the technology we have today is a lot of these educational resources are free and they're at your fingertips. So get books, blogs, podcasts. I think my biggest piece of advice is just make sure that you're getting advice from a professional who does this. So I would make sure to look to see that they have, I mean, I have a cert- I'm a certified financial planner. I think that using someone or using that type of designation as a resource is a good one just because of the criteria uh, that's necessary to get that designation. But you want to just make sure that you're getting advice um, and education from somebody who is really an expert in the field. Yeah, you know, everybody's an expert when it comes to everything nowadays. If you go online, everybody's giving advice, trying to make money by giving advice. Mm -hmm. So take that tip. Make sure that you have person has the what CFP behind it or some type of other acronym or what would you say look for a CFP? I would I, I think the easiest way is you could look for a CFP. A CPA is another one that's more focused on accounting, but they know personal finance as well, or they kind of all tie together. So you just want to make sure that you're getting education from somebody who has the experience to provide that education. I, I just discern there is a lot of information online, so I would go for something that's free, but that's by professional that has industry experience that does this for a living. And I think that's the first thing is building that foundation with education. So we've found that people, one question, one thing that people really have a lot of questions about, and you would think as you get older that you wouldn't have as many questions when it comes to these type of things, but it's social security. And some of the questions that we have that people are really wanting to know about are, what are some ways people should adjust their retirement plans or investing strategy to be prepared for the possible cut in Social Security? 
I mean, that's looming over our head, especially I think a lot of us who are in their 30s and 40s are thinking, is Social Security even going to be there when it comes to my time to retire? Yeah, Social Security specifically right now is a hot topic. It's one of, I think, one of the most interesting uh, programs. It's the largest federal program out there. So it was created after, you know, 1929, we had the stock market crash. And in 1935, FDR signed uh, the Social Security Act. Uh, and it it's a really fascinating program, but essentially it's social insurance. The, the purpose of it is to make sure, and at that time, was to get the older generation out of the workforce and allow them to retire above the poverty line. It was meant to be a supplement to your retirement to provide that safety net that would allow you to retire and stay above the poverty line because you're not going to leave your job if you're going to be below the poverty line. So you just stay in the workforce. So it got a lot of older Americans out of the workforce. So there was jobs for younger, a younger generation, and it kept those seniors above the poverty line. The interesting thing is, obviously, from 1935 through today, the demographics have changed substantially. So it's a phenomenal program. But now we have people that are living longer, right, with improvements in uh, healthcare and technology. And so I think I do believe that Social Security will still be there. They are going to need to they need to make adjustments to it so that it can continue to pay out. Obviously, we're going to have a funding issue, but I think it's an important puzzle piece in your retirement. But I think it's, as I said, just one piece of your retirement. It's not the whole thing. And so I think it's important to plan your own retirement. I usually like to say your retirement is made up of three components. So like a three legged stool. So you need all three pieces. And two-thirds of those, you're going to be having to prepare yourself. So one is some people will have a pension. So that's amazing if you have one. A lot of people won't have pensions these days. So you're going to be retired, responsible for the pension or a pension replacement, something in lieu of that, and then your own retirement savings. And then what I like to say is Social Security should still be there. When you collect it and what it looks like will probably be a little bit different. And that would be the third component. But you should be able to support yourself on in retirement on your own. And then Social Security will come in in addition to that, just because of the changes I think they're going to have to make. You make it sound so easy, Barbara. <laughs> but oh, the reality is a lot of people depend on Social Security as their main income in retirement and are planning on that Social Security. And many people live on it now. What do you think or what's some tips? It's the largest source of income for retirees. So I think if you're listening to this and you're not currently collecting, you're not currently a beneficiary of Social Security, you should do the advanced planning and plan for it to be a supplement of your retirement. It's a much more comfortable retirement if Social Security is not necessary for your retirement, but in addition to what you've already prepared for your own retirement. If you're currently in retirement and it's the single largest source of income for you, which is true for a lot of Americans today, I mean, there's over 66 recipients of Social Security. It's a large portion of our country. I think some of the small changes they're going to make are probably going to be impacting the younger generation more, right? Because if they get rid of Social Security or they cut those benefits dramatically, what happens to those people? You know, is an 85-year-old going to go back and get a job? Probably not. So I think the changes are really going to come for the next generation. Those of us that are paying into Social Security, we are going to have a different benefit or the benefit will look different than someone who's currently collecting Social Security. So what can people do who are currently collecting Social Security to maybe make that check go further? Do you have any tips on how to make your Social Security go further? I mean, there's a lot of people are on that side income. You just said yourself. Well, Social Security has really great provisions in it. So for instance, one of the provisions in Social Security is the whole harmless provision. And so that helps preserve the Social Security check despite 
increases in Medicare, right? Because your Medicare for most people or some people come out of your social security check. So if you're falling underneath the whole wholeheartedness provision, so if you're one of those in the lower income, there are provisions in there to protect you. Um, and so I think they'll preserve that protection for the lower income. If you're in the higher income, I think that's those are the people that would be probably more affected by a change. And then it comes down to to make your dollars go farther, you have to be more strategic on how you spend your money. I think that the, the key would really be those planning to get into retirement should plan for your Social Security age, your collection age, to be much later. It was originally enacted in 1935 as a collection age of full retirement at 65. Now those that are going into retirement, your full retirement age where you get 100% of your benefits is going to be 67. So that's a two-year change. There are also all of these, I like to call them booby traps, but if you collect early, for instance, uh, you're going to have a reduction in your benefit. And if you continue to work, you're going to fall underneath the retirement earnings test. So there's there's a lot of strategy that goes into how you collect Social Security. And so a lot of people, and I think their statistic is 40% regret collecting early. A lot of Americans collect early. And so I would caution everybody to pause and do your research and have a strategy with collecting your Social Security and not just collect it immediately because it's available. Because as a household, it could be over a million dollar decision. So you're telling me if I went, what, two years early or a year early that I could lose up to a million dollars? No. what The, deci- the decision making, if, if I said to you, I have a million dollars, you would probably be sitting down and making an educated decision, right, about what you're going to do with uh-huh. dollars. A lot of people don't realize the value of their Social Security benefits, especially as a household, over their lifetime of retirement. And so they're eligible for it. They just go and collect it and they don't think anything of it. They don't make an educated, strategic decision. So what I like to caution people is, if you live to be the average life expectancy, you get to 65, you do have a chance of living to 90, 95. So if you're collecting for you know, 25, 30, 35 years as a household, you could combine be collecting over a million dollars. So don't just collect without doing your research on how this is going to affect your retirement years. You know, your retirement years in 1935, if you were 65, you had a life expectancy of 14 years. That's now 20 and growing. So you're going to be collecting and in retirement potentially for longer than you are working. So you really need to be strategic with your social security decision. Where can people go to learn all these things when it comes to their benefits and what to do when it comes to social security? There's a lot to know. No, people are like, Mm -hmm. how do I collect it? Can, do I, can I collect my spouse's social security? I think those are, if they pass away, I mean, these are real things people want to know. How do you find the answers? Yeah. Um, So social security actually has a really good website and they have a lot of fact sheets. I will also say if you're a female listening to this, it's even more important for you to be educated and understand your decision. Um, The statistics on married women being widows is really, really high. They're one of the largest uh, survivor collections is for females. So understanding what you're entitled to and how it works is super important. Their website has a, a lot of information. There are a lot of classes that you can take for Social Security. Like for instance, the last 10 years, I taught a Social Security class at our local university. And so I was there. We had a two-hour class on Social Security, everything you needed to know with a workbook. So there are people out there that teach Social Security classes, there's Social Security seminars. And then there's also the Social Security Administration website, which is super helpful. And they have a lot of fact sheets. um, And they even have infographics, which I I love. 
Um, but no, it's super important. There's a few ways you can collect social security. So a high level, you collect as your own worker benefit, right? You can collect as a spouse, you can collect as a former spouse, and you can collect as a survivor and a survivor even if you were divorced. And there's a whole nother program for disabled and minor children. It's a it's an amazing program. So if your spouse dies and you're not married to him, I could still collect his social security? Like he's my ex-spouse? As long as you, if he was your ex-spouse and you were married for 10 years and you're currently unmarried. There's some hurdles that you have to meet, but yes. And is it only for female or males too? No, it's for, no, it's for both. It's as long as you're a survivor, you can collect. And you just have to meet the criteria. So one of the criteria um, as a survivor, I believe, is a former divorced spouse is you have to be unmarried. So there's a lot of different criteria you need to meet um, for these different collection strategies. But if you are a survivor, you are on a dual entitlement system. So you have survivor benefits and then you'll have your own worker benefits. And so it's important to know what you're entitled to on each system and then make a plan. So if your spouse died what, in their 50s, you could still collect Social Security on them when you turn 67? No. So survivor benefits is a totally different system. So you can collect survivor benefits as early as age 60. Oh. So yes. Yep. It's a totally different system. So they made a big change to Social Security back in 2015, I believe was the year the, the law was passed. So they changed. You used to be able to swap you know, spousal benefits so if you were currently married. So my parents were able to do this because they were they're of the right age. Um, they've been changing Social Security. Um, so my mother collected on my father's benefit first and then swapped to her own benefit and let her benefit grow. So she got the highest benefit she could get, but she collected on my father's. They've eliminated that unless you meet the age requirement the year you were born. That's probably not available for you. But this idea of swapping is still available as a survivor as long as you meet the criteria. They just, they fell underneath the rule change. So because of the years they were born, oh. uh, they fell underneath the rule change. So you used to be able to swap spousal benefits. Now you can still swap survivor benefits. Spousal benefits, most likely you're not going to be eligible for. But if you are a survivor, you, ha- you still have the opportunity to do swaps or, you know, take one and then defer another because it's a different entitlement system. They made a law change. They said that this was a big gap and it could cost the government billions of dollars if everybody knew about this, so they eliminated it. My parents were able to get in, and so they did the swap. Uh, Yeah, but there's a lot of fascinating things besides, I think one thing that I think is really interesting that people don't know about is you can always do a lump sum check from, um, and they made a change to this. You used to be able to do up to four years. You can now do a six-month lump sum check. So let's say you listen to this podcast and you say, you know what, I don't want to collect my benefit early. I'm going to do some more research and wait till I'm full retirement age or maybe even 70 because that's your highest and largest benefit that you're able to collect from Social Security is going to be at age 70. And let's say something okay. changes with your health. That's that's always the thing. Well, what if my health changes? That's fine. That that happens. And that's always unfortunate. You can go to Social Security and say, I want you know to start my benefits as if it was six months prior and they'll give you a lump sum check for the difference. As if So if your benefit was $2,000 a month, right? And you say, okay, it started as if it was January 1st. We're now in June and the benefit was $2,000 in January. They'll send you a check for $12,000 and then start your benefits. Yes. There's a lot of things. This is a very nuanced program. It, I think my personal opinion is I think it was a really well done program. I think they're obviously going to have to make some changes to it 
for it to continue. But the changes, I think, are pretty easy. I just don't think, you know, they're always crowd pleasing, but there's ways they can fix this program for it to continue to be a very successful program. But some of the really interesting things are this retroactive lump sum check that you can get. There's also a do-over. Um, so like another example is I taught the class and someone was sitting in the class and was like, oh my gosh, I wish I had waited. I didn't know about these things. And that person had been taking the Social Security and putting it in the bank. Now, obviously, banks just started paying decent interest rates. But like two years ago, they were paying nothing. So the money's sitting in a bank account making nothing. Right? So it was like, that was a bad idea. Yeah. You had just left it alone. It was growing at 8% by deferring it. And it's making zero in the bank collecting it. So oh my it didn't make a ton of sense. So you can do it. It's a do-over. It's a form you file. You repay all of your benefits and it's a, as if it didn't happen. It's a specific form. You do have to deal with the government, which is usually not the most efficient experience for time purposes. But yeah, you have a do-over. Um, I will say the other two really big things that people don't know about Social Security is one, that it's taxed. Most people do not know it's taxed. So that's a big shock. And also, when you're planning your retirement, Obviously, there's a very big difference between the gross number, you know, the, the top line number and the net number. And if you get those numbers wrong, that affects your budget significantly. So most people do not realize that there's tax and Social Security and that the tax hurdles have not changed um, in approximately 1984. So in almost 40 years, they have not changed the tax hurdles. So the income 40 years ago is dramatically different than it is today. So planning for taxation of Social Security is really important. Also, the way they calculate your taxation of Social Security, they include 50% of your benefits in it, which people don't realize. So before you get paid out, they tax it. And before you get your check, just like a paycheck? Is that how it works? Uh, yeah, it's, it's not exactly like a paycheck, it, but you get federal tax on it. So... You don't, it's not you pay taxes on it later. It's taken out before you even receive it, right? No. So this is the trick. This is the trick with the government and why I think there needs to be more education on Social Security. If you don't know there's taxation on Social Security, you sign up for it and you don't withhold. And then you go to file your taxes and find out that 85% of it was taxable at 15% or 20% or 25%, whatever the bracket is. And that's when you find out. That's how most people find out there's taxation oh. on Social Security. You can. I bet this affects it. a lot of people. Yeah, I think taxation yeah. Yeah, Barbara, is one of so the, the two things that people are very underprepared for in retirement are taxation, including the taxation of their Social Security benefits and those Medicare premiums. So I would say taxes and health insurance are the the two things that people really stumble on in retirement that make a very big difference in your budget. Oh yeah, I could see that. I didn't know that. I thought it was like grant mm -hmm. money. You could be you like, know what I mean, that you just got it. Mm -mm. And I hate to be the messenger of that because people are like, what do you mean it's tax? That's not fair. And I'm like, I'm just, and the, the crazy part is when people find out that the, the tax hurdle, right, has never been cost of living adjusted or any sort of adjustment in 30, almost 39 years. It's pretty shocking. And the fact that they include 50% of your benefits towards the hurdle. And the benefits have gone up dramatically since 1984. So your benefits alone, your Social Security benefits alone could cause the taxation of it. And then if you add in any other income, the, the only sort of income that does not cause taxation of Social Security, there's only one thing. It's a Roth IRA 
or a Roth 401k. It's the only vehicle that does not cause taxation of Social Security. Literally everything else does, including tax-free bonds. Interesting. So much. Yeah. I'll put all my money in tax-free bonds and then they can't tax my Social Security. And I'm like, no, no, no. They thought of that. Whoa. I didn't realize that. I don't think a lot of people realize a lot of these things when it comes to Social Security. They're planning on getting a certain amount. They plan for that and then make it a big surprise in the end. And be like, oh, this isn't what yeah, I thought. Correct. And then the other thing I think that's a big surprise besides the taxation is, as I said, the statistics on people collecting early is really high. But Social Security is meant to be a supplement to your retirement and is meant to keep you above the poverty line. I always say it's not meant to be like vacation money. So a lot of people don't realize how complex our social security system is, all the rules around it. And so they'll go and collect early and continue working their career job and don't realize that not only are you going to fall underneath taxation of social security, you're also going to fall under what's called the retirement earnings test. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. What is that? Okay. The retirement earnings test is a test you fall under if you have not reached full retirement which depends on your year of birth, but let's just say it's 67. So you get your social security statement. And you're like, oh my gosh, I could be getting $2,000 a month. So why am I waiting, right? Because I don't know how long I'm going to live. I'm just going to collect it and I'm going to keep my regular job, my career job that I've been at for 35 years. You then fall underneath what's called the retirement earnings test because let's say you're 64 years old. So you take a permanent reduction in your benefit by collecting early and then you're going to have tax. And then you're also going to have what's called the retirement earnings test where if you make anything more than, gosh, I think the number is $21,240, very low, very low, for the year 2023, they reduce your benefit for for a dollar for every $2 earned over the limit. In this, yes, they will recalculate your benefit when you finally stop working to account for, you know, they will recalculate your benefit. But in the time you're continuing to work, you will be paying tax and you will be having a, they don't say it's a penalty. It's just called a reduction. So you're going to have tax. You're taking a permanent reduction on the the benefit, right? You collect it early. So it's reduced. It's not your, one. you're not 100% of your primary insurance amount. That's how Social Security calls it. Full retirement age is 100% of your primary insurance amount. The amount that you're owed based on the highest of 35 years. But yeah, then you're going to fall underneath the retirement earnings test for that amount over 21000 which if you're working for 30 years in your career, you're probably at a higher income level, right? That, that would be your ideal after 30 years, you, you've moved up. So then they're going to reduce it a dollar for every two. And then in the year that you turn full retirement age, it's very important to know what your full retirement age with Social Security. In the year that you turn full retirement age, they move it up a little, a little bit over 56000 Now, the reason they do this, in my opinion, is to discourage people from collecting Social Security and keeping their career position, because that's not what it's meant for, right? It's meant to keep you above the poverty line and for you to be fully retired. It's not meant for you to get the money and then take a cruise or vacation every year. So that's, in my opinion, that's how they discourage early retirement and keeping your what I like to call career position. If you want to get a hobby job, right? Some people in retirement say, I'm going to work at a boutique one day a week, or I want to volunteer. That's totally fine. This is just earned income. This is like payroll wages. So basically, if I'm 70, I can make over 56,000, right? And still get my... Well, and I don't, the I, month that you turn full retirement age, from that point on, you can make whatever. 70? No. So your full retirement age depends on your birth. So it would be 
anywhere, depending on what year you're born, between probably most likely at this stage of the game, between 66 and 67. At that point, you can do what you want. There's no retirement earnings test. It's only for early collection. Okay. So then you can only make 50. So if you were self-employed, I guess if you guess you didn't need it. Self-employment income will count. Okay. Self-employment will count. Yeah, that's because that, that's going to be consider- considered wages. Um, it doesn't count like dividends or anything like that. It's meant to it's meant to discourage you from collecting early and keeping a career position for uh, your own business. That's what it's meant to do. So that's why you see so many people give their business to their children in retirement. I always wonder why the older guys just don't keep that business, but they always seem to give it to their kid or do something like that. Is that so they can be like, okay, I'm fully retired? It, well, it just depends. It's money. only if you're going to collect. If you're going to collect early, if you're full retirement age is 67, at that point, you can do whatever you want. You could make okay. $200,000 and still get your social security. It doesn't matter. Oh, it's just the early guys. This is just the early. But that's what the mo- a majority of Americans do collect early. There's a lot of Americans that collect early, not knowing the taxation, the retirement earnings test, and the reduction in benefits. Oh, I can see that. This is really complicated. I just thought I got a check in the mail. That tells you how uneducated I am about social security because I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> I'll be honest. But when you're talking about it now, and as I'm getting up there in age, I'm like, you know, I need to really have a plan around this and know what I'm doing. And I know a lot of women whose spouses have died. I didn't realize if your parent had died, all those type of things are there for you. I mean, that's a huge thing. Even if you divorce them, I I honestly thought if I divorced someone, I wouldn't have the chance to collect on their social security if they passed away. But I guess that is something you could do. And that's pretty awesome too. Yeah. I mean, and even if they so, don't pass away, even if you just get divorced, if you were married for 10 years and you're currently unmarried, yeah, no. Oh, you're kidding. You still I can collect. still get it even if no. the guy's still walking the earth. Even if he's. No, what about men? Can they collect on their spouses? Yeah, oh, no, it works, even if they're it remarried. Works either, it works. Yeah. So if the. Well, we'll just give a traditional scenario. You get married, you're married for 11 years, you get divorced, you stay unmarried, right? You never marry again. Your former spouse, we'll just say in this instance, is a husband. Your former husband okay. goes and gets remarried. His wife, his current wife, is eligible for a spousal benefit on his. And you, as the former spouse, are also eligible on that same benefit. How much is that usually? I'm just curious. I mean, it, it just depends. It depends on what the income of the, we'll just say in this instance, the husband the spousal benefit, um, you are only eligible, the max you can get on a spouse is 50% of their benefit. That's the max that you would ever get. It's very interesting. I honestly had no idea. Yeah, it's, that's why I say that there should be a strategy involved with collecting, that you shouldn't just go and collect. You should make an educated decision on how you're collecting, why you're collecting. And there's a lot of factors that go into that decision, right? So taxes, medical expenses, your own longevity in your family. So how long do people in your immediate family live, your, you know, and your grandparents, things like that, and then your own health, right? So some people are fortunate enough to be really healthy and in great shape and other people have medical problems. So those are all things to take into consideration when determining when and how to collect. And then the other aspects of it, such as what are you eligible for? Are you eligible for a survivor benefit? Are you eligible for a spousal benefit? Are you eligible for a former spousal benefit? And then your own worker benefit. They generally, when it comes to spousal benefits, will give you, Social Security will make the decision for you and give you whatever is your highest benefit. Um, but it's, I think it's interesting to know how it all works so that you can make an educated and informed decision. 
Okay. Uh, one question, another question I have real quick. So when pay, what if you didn't ever, if you're self-employed or you never paid into social security, do you get any benefits or you didn't work very much? I mean, we have a lot of young people now that aren't working. So is, how does social security work when it comes to somebody like, I mean, like that, can you, should you try to always have a job since you're 16 and be paying in if you want to collect something there? I mean, are there benefits of working and paying into the system or do we all kind of end up with the same amount? I'm going really generic here, just in case there's yeah. somebody listening that knows nothing. <laughs> sure. It, it's a progressive system. So the lower um, income earners will actually get more out than higher income earners. So it is progressive. Um, it works out to be, you have to have 40 quarters to be eligible for Social Security, which works out to be approximately 10 years of work history. So if you, as long as you work 10 years, you'll be eligible for a benefit. It won't be as high as if you had more years. They also use the highest of your 35 years. Um, even as a self-employed person, you are supposed to be paying payroll tax. As a self-employed person, you pay both sides of it. Um, so the combined amount with Medicare as well would be 15.3%. So as a self-employed person, you pay the employee portion and then you pay the uh, employer portion. So you pay both sides. If you work for a corporation, you pay in your portion. So half of that, and then the employer matches it. So it's actually, you know, the amount just for social security is 6.2%. So the amount that you're contributing, if you think about it, a lot of the rules have always been saved at least 10% for retirement. So that's more than 10% is going towards your Social Security. Um, so you just, there are people that have cash businesses. Those would not be counted towards your Social Security. So I always encourage people to make sure you're on the books with Social Security to at least be eligible for a benefit. And then as a self-employed person, you can say your income is lower. I will say this is one of the you know hot topics of Social Security. You only pay on the wage base of Social Security. So you're only paying in, I believe this year for 2023, it's 160000 and change. So after that, you don't pay Social Security on that. So what, yeah, so what happens for high-income earners is, I don't want to say they get like a bonus, but you know, you hit your Social Security, you could hit your Social Security wage base in September. So you've paid in and then you don't pay in anymore because you've maxed it out. Oh, I don't, I don't even know if people know that. I don't know if they even pay attention to it. Some people, right? Probably those high earners, they don't even pay attention. They're like, oh, a couple dollars yeah. are out. A couple hundred bucks are out, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But that's interesting, a too. A lot of people. Yeah, they don't even know that. I do know, I talked no. to, I believe, the head of the Social Security Department, and he said one of the biggest problems why Social Security could actually diminish <laughs> is the fact that we don't have this, a lot of young people out there mm -hmm. who are working and putting that money into Social Security to pay for all of us old people that need that money so that we can have it. You know, you have to have the lower tier people paying into the system for the system to work, right? To fund all of us. So I think a lot of people don't realize that either, the importance of people working and paying into the Social Security benefits those who are retired at this time. Because I think a lot of people think, well, I yep. paid into it, so it should just be there. A lot of you know people think mean? it's their own, like that they yeah. track it, that it's your, like they say, okay, Barbara Ginty has paid in, here's her for between Medicare and Social Security, she has 15.3% paid in every year, here's her bucket. It immediately pays out to the beneficiary. So your, my money goes in, it immediately goes to them. So when my grandparents were alive, I used to joke that I was working so that they could get their money at the month because they took it out of mine and then they sent it right to them. It immediately goes back <laughs> out to beneficiaries. So it's not being put in your yeah, name. Yeah, and I don't it's think people think that. Paid. They think they got like some savings account. 
Yeah. And it's not, no, it's and- not your own little retirement account. And I think that's what mm-hmm. people think. And that is not how it's set up. And I just wanted to be clear about that because that's what the fear is and why it could be gone is because there isn't an account somewhere where that's just my money. It's going into a system that we're all paying into mm-hmm. and hopes that when we get there that shows, hey, you paid this much in, now we can give you this much back out. You know, but there has to be people working and paying into the system for that to, to work. Paying. Yeah. And that's why the life expectancy is is been wonderful, right? You can, you know, I, probably everybody listening knows somebody who's reached the age of 90. And probably if you are in a room full of people, there'll be a handful of people that know someone who reached the age of 100. In 1935, when they enacted this, if you reached the age of 65, right? So for life expectancy at birth, for a man, it was 58 years old because of high infant mortality. Yes. So Social Security has a portion on their website that says, oh, we didn't do this intentionally because we didn't make it 65 because we thought people lived to 58. We took into account life expectancy once you reached 65. But, you know, the, the actual mortality from birth was 58. And I believe it was 62 for women in 1935. So the, part of the issue is we have less workers paying in, but we also have all of these people that are living longer. So back then, if it was... I think it was like 7.6 million people that we're going to collect. By 2035, we can have 76 million collecting, right? So we need to have the, as you said, we need to have more young people paying in to support how the growing and aging population, especially with the baby boom generation. Yeah, and that's the huge topic. That's what everyone's talking about. That's what Elon Musk is saying. People need to have babies. That's what's going on. If everybody's wondering, why he says it's all going to (laughs) collapse and why they're trying to get people to actually take those jobs as we drive by all the fast food restaurants and say hiring now and no one's going to them. It's because we need all those people people. pay in. Yeah. Yeah. Help all the old people. (laughs) <laughs> think about your grandparents. Think about your parents, because otherwise you might have to take yeah. care of them and there might not be any money there. So, yes, because a lot of us aren't preparing for retirement with inflation. A lot of people are hitting into their retirement accounts just to survive. Yeah. And a lot of parents spend their retirement to pay for their children to go to college. And then their college, college kids don't even get jobs after college. So, you know how that goes. And I wish I had more time with you, Barbara, because as many of you don't know this, but Barbara also talks about like death and family law, right? You deal with a lot of that and what, how to make sure your kids get the money they need when they pass away and how to plan for those type of things. Correct, Barbara? I do a lot of estate planning. Estate planning is very important and is often overlooked, unfortunately. Yeah, you should have heard what she told me. Some of these stories, these fights, these families get into and surprises their family members give them when they pass away. Kind of like, I would leave that movie's knives out when they all got the big surprise <laughs> who got the money on the end. Barbara kind of has those type of stories that she can share when someone thinks they're going to get millions of dollars to find out they're not. So you never know. And we would love to have you come back and talk about that too. And thanks for talking to me about Social Security. It is like a mystery to me and I'm going to have to learn more about it. And I hope that you help somebody else out there that's trying to learn more about Social Security and Barbara, do you have a website or anything where people can go to learn more? Yep, we, we do. We have our podcast website, which is www.futurerichpodcast.com. Uh, we do have a short class on there on Social Security. And our podcast talks about personal finance. So if you prefer to listen versus take a class, you have both of the options. Well, that's awesome. 
And then I always ask all my guests one question that is, what does live richer mean to you? Live richer to me means financial freedom. I think having financial freedom gives you control over every aspect of your life. So whether or not you stay in a relationship, whether or not you stay in a job, it gives you full control. And I think that's a rich life. I think so. I think financial stress is a huge thing that takes away from the richness of your life. When you have debt or the stress of wondering how you're going to pay your bills, it's really hard to be happy when you're in those situations. I agree with you 100%. Thanks, Barbara, again, for coming on the show and for your great advice. And to you, the listener, I'd like to leave you with one thing I hope will be the most important thing you hear today, and that is to live richer. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Before you go, we'd love for you to subscribe to our show to catch all of our updates. Also, we want to hear from you. What are your burning questions about money and how to live your best life? Reach us at livericherpod at gobankingrates.com.